everybody. Welcome back to Teen Titans Wasteland. I'm Hub. I hope you're having a nice time. I'm having a nice time. Getting ready for Easter. You gotta hide those eggs from Jesus. That guy loves eggs. How are you gonna find those eggs once you've hidden them? We'll paint them bright colors. That's how you find the eggs. It all makes sense now. That's enough of me fiddly farting around. Let's get down to brass tacks. By which I mean... Teen Titans Talk. You fought a shark with a machete, but your fin chop missed. Well, now you're gonna die. But here's a synopsis. Teen Titans number 32. April 1971. Written by Steve Skeets. Drotted by Nick Carty. Teen Titan Roll Call. Mal. Kid Flash. Lilith. Speedy. Wonder Girl. In. A Mystic Realm. A World Gone Mad. Mal and Kid Flash are returning from a trip to the distant past. Only when they arrive back home in what should be the 1970s, they find themselves in a magical realm filled with medieval peasants, dragons, and sorcerers. I just did a little bit of research on Wikipedia, and it turns out that those weren't everyday elements of 1970s culture after all. Hmm. I guess I shouldn't believe everything I see on the side of a sweet, sweet van. Mal and Wally seem pretty freaked out and reckon they must have done something in the past that made the 70s go all Frank Frazetta on them. Oh, goody. A time travel paradox. The two think back to the events that led them to this chronological conundrum. Earlier that day, Mr. Jupiter, the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world, was tinkering around with his experimental time machine. Okay, I think we all see where this is going. The darn thing blew up and sent Mal back to caveman times. Bummer. The cavemen see Mal arrive in a puff of smoke and regard him pretty much the way the Ewoks saw C-3PO. As a god, but one they kind of have to keep their eyes on. So, a mixed bag overall. Trying to make the best of a bad situation, Mal starts flirting with a pretty cave girl. Naturally, the Neanderthal beauty is super into Mal. But when they start holding hands, a teenage caveman gets all jealous and challenges Mal to a club fight. Snap. Meanwhile, back in the 70s, Mr. Jupiter is feeling guilty. He's starting to think that fucking around with the fabric of time may not have been the best idea after all. But good news, Mr. J. Kid Flash happens to have access to a spare time machine. Hooray! The sympathetic speedster offers to borrow the time treadmill from his mentor, The Flash. That's right, The Flash owns a treadmill that can send him back in time when he runs on it. I love the time treadmill. Hey, maybe Mr. Jupiter could have just asked to borrow that in the first place. Kind of makes you wonder what other already existent technology he's working on. Inventing. Did he blow up his first lab, working on the incandescent light bulb? The difference engine? I guess nobody wants to tell the richest man in the world that he's not really a scientist. Kid Flash sets up the time treadmill, but needs an exact date to focus on. Fortunately, Lilith uses her psychic mojo to pick up on a vague impression of cavemen, and I guess sometime before agriculture counts as an exact date. Wally arrives just in time to save Mal from being killed by a jealous cave teen. Hooray! Unfortunately, in rescuing his teammate, Wally accidentally knocks the club-wielding Cro-Magnon off a cliff and sends him plummeting to his death. Whoopsie. Kid Flash feels bad about his role in the death of the young Troggledite, but the locals are starting to arrange a marriage ceremony for Mal and the Troggledet he was holding hands with, so the two Titans decide to skedaddle back to the 70s. Which brings us back to the beginning of the issue. Kid Flash figures that by causing the death of that caveman, they must have created some kind of alternate present where Biff is going to be president. Oh, wait. That's the alternate present I'm living in. 
Seriously, people, please vote. Anyway, seeing as how that cave teen or his ancestors must have been the ones who exterminated dragons and killed all the wizards, the titanic twosome of temporal travelers figure they better find a way to undo his untimely demise. They head towards the huge castle they see off in the distance, with the hope that the presumed sorcerer who lives there will help send them back in time to put right what once went wrong. Good plan, guys. I don't see why this hypothetical wizard wouldn't help you erase his entire reality. When they arrive at the castle, they find that it is surrounded by a moat filled with mythical beasts. For some reason, Kid Flash is unable to use his super speed. Fortunately, Mal is a man of many talents. He reveals, in one of my favorite snippets of backstory ever, that back when he was growing up in the ghetto of Hell's Corner, he used to pole vault all the time. You know, over alley walls, to escape street gangs. Fuck yes he did! As the two pals pole vault over the monster-filled moat, a hooded figure appears on the castle ramparts. He snaps their poles in half with some kind of magic beam. What a douchebag. Despite the hooded douchebag's intervention, Wally and Mal manage to clear the moat. As soon as they land on the other side, the monsters vanish, and the hooded douche reveals himself to be an alternate reality version of Mr. Jupiter, a warlock who calls himself Jupiterius. He tells them that the moat monsters were illusions he created as part of a test. By entering the castle, the teens have passed the first part of the test. He introduces them to his vassals, who are medieval knight versions of Batman, Superman, The Flash, and Green Arrow. It also seems like that caveman they accidentally killed must have invented not being a dick, because everyone in this Molly Hatchet album cover version of reality is a real asshole. At the insistence of the Feudal Justice League, the displaced duo proceed to the next test, an archery competition between Wally and this reality's version of Speedy. Sounds fair. Each must attempt to shoot an arrow into a keyhole. Alternate Speedy, who calls himself True Shot, which objectively is a much better name, goes first and lodges his arrow in the center of the keyhole. Wally is up next, and despite showing no previous aptitude for archery, manages to not only split True Shot's shaft lengthwise, but also to make his own quarrel vibrate in such a way that it rotates and unlocks the door. Hooray. And that brings this issue to its conclusion. Wow, what a cliffhanger. All right, and joining me once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Yeah. So, what'd you think? I thought this was awesome. This was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah. No, I loved this issue. It was great. It was so goddamn goofy and had so many twists and turns. So much needlessly complicated plot that really made no goddamn sense. Mm. But it was so much fun. It was fun. It was a good ride. Whenever I read about time travel stuff, I just sort of take for granted that the paradoxes that they say, or the the things that happen in the risks involved are uh, legitimate without yeah. really thinking through the logic of it. You have to. Although, I, I don't know, man. As long as they treat the time travel shit that they're dealing with consistently, I'm fine with it. It's one of the big problems I have with Back to the Future, because they don't. There's this whole thing where... That, the whole thing where Mayor Goldie, he gives Mayor Goldie the run, the idea to run, but he's the person who went back and told him to do that. But that was in the version of reality that he came from before he went back in time. And then his actions back in time changed the rest of reality. It, it pissed me off. I'm sorry. It's confusing to even talk about, which is a problem you run up against in time travel stuff. Which is what I was just saying. Yeah. You just have to be like, okay. Yeah, I can't totally do that. But this one, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Well, 
Yeah, I also generally was able to do that, but the the thing, and it should be a simple one to explain, is where Kid Flash said, like, oh, you know, my uncle warned me that if I run into another version of myself, we could both die. I think that Flash was just fucking with Kid Flash. He was trying to get him not to use that fucking Yeah, he doesn't want him to use this goddamn time off, treadmill. Stay off the treadmill, kid. Yeah. Or you'll Which, die. I get that, man. If I had a time machine, I would, I would not have let my teenage nephew borrow the time machine. I would be like, oh, you need to go back in time to save your friend. Well, fortunately, I have a time machine. How about I take care of that for you? Mm-hmm. I, we literally have all the time in the world because it's time travel. Kid Flash is remarkably cavalier about using this device as well, right? He's like, well, I'm pretty sure him and the Flash do this shit all the goddamn time. And I know I mentioned it in the synopsis, but God, I love the time treadmill. Could be very... I would love to have one myself. <sighs> yeah, it wouldn't do you any good. You can't run at super I'm speed. Too damn slow. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. It would still be... You could just use it as a regular treadmill. Boring. Well, get in shape. <laughs> Boring. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, so they go back in time and they accidentally kill a caveman. <laughs> in the funniest <laughs> two-page spread of slapstick genius that I have seen in this uh, run to date. Really? I think it might be my favorite, especially the part where so Flash <laughs> comes... Maybe I'm missing part of it, but so Flash runs in to save Mal, who's about to get knocked off the edge of the cliff. Right, the, the jealous cave teen is about to... He's hanging off the edge of a cliff. Mm-hmm. And the jealous cave teen is about to knock his fingers loose with a club. Right. So that he will plummet to his death. After, I will say, Mal was holding his own against the caveman. The caveman threw dirt in his eye. Mm-hmm. Like Bolo Young did in, in yeah. to, to Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. And that is some bullshit, man. Yeah. I agree with that. But the part that I found hilarious was that A, he is he saving Mal and knocking the club out of the caveman's hands. A, he accidentally kills the caveman. And yeah. B, then he gets hit in the head with the club that he knocked out of his hand and knocks well, himself out. The reason he accidentally kills the caveman is because he hits himself in the head with the club that he knocks out of the caveman's hand. Mm. Because otherwise, he was about to use his super speed to run down the cliff face and like save the, save caveman. the caveman from dying. Mm. But just when he's about to do that, there's a bonk over his head <laughs> from that club that he knocked up in the air. And he's totally unconscious. The caveman says some, has a funny utterance of some sort as he's going over the edge, too. That makes him sound really derpy. He says, like, orc. Or he orc. says orc. Yeah. Which, maybe he was just saying, like, you guys, you've been calling me caveman. I'm an orc. Or maybe that's his name. Maybe he's like... Well, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure we find out his name in the subsequent issue. I don't remember what He must it have been a famous fucking cave dude. He because... must have been, like, the greatest cave dude of all time. Because yeah. he apparently... Or the worst, depending on your stance. Like, it's because of him that there are no magic and dragons in regular 1970s DC Universe. Mm. Or at least significantly less magic and dragons. It is still the DC Universe. Mm. But also, there's no technology, which is, is a bummer. Yeah, it seems like you really gotta make a choice. Yeah. You want magic and dragons or, or time treadmills? Yeah. I guess. And, and, you know, just, like, running water and shit like that, apparently. Because there's, you know, peasants and shit. They don't, seem they to don't have, have the access to the magic, so they got... They, to... It's tough to tell, but they looked like peasants, so I assume they smelled like medieval peasants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Very that's limited, no good. Limited. 
So Maybe. overall, I guess this caveman was a net gain, but I think we could do with a few more dragons and magic. Mm. And also, I really like the aesthetic of the feudal Justice League that we meet in this. Oh, the knight costume? Yeah. Except for fucking Green Arrow's getup. I kind of like Green Arrow's getup, but he does look ridiculous. He's got like a warthog carcass on his head. Yeah, he's he's wearing a, a warthog carcass over his head. Like, you know in Marvel Comics how Red Wolf has like a wolf's head, mm-hmm. like cowl that he wears? It, it's like if that was made out of a warthog. And it, I don't know why Green Arrow's doing that. Like, all of the rest of the guys are dressed like brawny knights. And he's got like a furry green tunic that has a big bullseye on, pretty on, on the front shirt. of it. It's a it's a pre, it's a decent target shirt. And then he's wearing a warthog on his head. I just I guess maybe because his thing is archery that in this universe that makes him a hunter. And so he's like a huntsman type dude. And a warthog is a tough opponent. Yeah. For an archer. Yeah, no, so he's just super proud of himself, and he's like, I'm just going to wear this around. But it's got a snout on it and everything, and it looks really, really weird. But it, it's, the, the real, really, the rest of them, it's like these futuristic magic knight suits of armor. And throughout this issue, Nick Cardi's art is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's And nice to see Cardi back. There's one There's one part that I found pretty objectionable that I, I don't think you noticed because you were you were lost in the general... The, there was so much going on in the scene in which they're trying to cross the moat of monsters. Yeah. And uh, one of the monsters looks like a, an angry baby duck's face <laughs> kind of floating up out of the mist. Let me take a look. Yeah, that, that monster <laughs> does look kind of like a... <laughs> a, a well, it's, it does look like a baby duck, but it, it's a baby duck that looks disappointed more than anything else and like like one of its eyes is is crossed but the other one isn't like it's just a it's a weird looking duck monster i still love it mm-hmm. that, that yeah that's that's one of the monsters that crops up and then that's not on cardi that's uh that's i believe that that is it, the monsters it turns out that mr jupiter or jupiterius was conjuring up mal and kid flash's greatest fears so which one of them is scared of baby ducks? I don't know. We got to, but it's on one of them because they are one of most... them scared is is scared of a weird ass looking duck. Mm-hmm. There is when we get to the favorite dialogue in this issue, there is so much to choose from. I kind of want to just read all of the dialogue in the issue. Yeah, I ran because this is the last, unfortunately, Steve Skeet's issue that we have. He's this is the last issue that he writes, and it's like. He was saving it all up because we had talked earlier about like, no, he seems to be writing more realistic dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's almost disappointing. In this one, he goes full on fucking Haney and a half on <laughs> on just doubling down on weird made up teen slang, weird made up medieval slang. There's so much shit that's going on in this. Yeah, I did. I learned a new um, word. Varlet. You didn't know Varlet? Mm-mm. I, oh yeah, no, I, that's a good one. I recognize Churl, but I, I did I did not know Varlet. Before. Yeah, they're pretty much synonyms. Yeah, and that brings to uh, Kid Flash is called the Varleton Scarlet by Jupiterius, which I nice really rhyme. like, despite the fact that he wears mostly yellow. He gets the scarlet. He gets the scarlet thing. Often. Maybe it's because he's an adulterer, and Jupiter can tell. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the scarlet letter. Oh jeez, he wishes. Yeah, I think he does okay. 
I think Wally does just fine with the ladies. Yeah, probably so. They made a weird choice, too, where... They made a weird choice when they first get back to what should be the 70s, but is, in fact, the weird version of the 70s with monsters and shit. Mm -hmm. They escape a dragon. Mm -hmm. They see that there's this castle way far off in the distance. And this makes no sense to me from either a storytelling standpoint or from a practical standpoint of why the characters would do this. Kid Flash is like, I can carry you there. And Mal's like, no, we better walk slowly there. Mm -hmm. Why? Uh, My only guess for that was Mal was still kind of freaked out by Kid Flash being like, hey, I'll rescue you through time by by holding you and, and running and vibrating really fast. And then they wound up in the screwed up place, and he's just like... So he just doesn't want to be carried by Kid Flash yeah, anymore, like, because when you carry me, me, bad things happen. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Kind of. It still seems like the castle's really far away. It's like, well, we... But Kid Flash just readily agrees to just be like, yeah, sure, I'll just walk at a regular pace. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I don't know, maybe it's just like a, a macho thing where Mal just... Mal just doesn't want to like, be carried. Yeah, don't... Carried yeah. around by another dude. Yeah. Maybe, although they're very close friends. And we don't, it's not like we see them make this long trek. It's basically there's one scene where they're in a swamp and then they're just there anyway. So we skip over the part where they're walking anyway. I don't know why they wouldn't just have it go that he carried him with super speed. But we find out a few things about Mal's backstory in this issue that I love. Mm-hmm. My favorite being, well, apparently he's a former apple thief. Um, well, it's probably just like one or two times. I mean, he says the first time he did it, which means he did it at least a couple of times. Mm. Um, there, there's, we will get to this. I, I, this is amongst my favorite dialogue, but I don't think it's my favorite. Although, damn, it's just a weird goddamn thing to say. Mm. They're approaching the castle. Mal says, "Creepy looking pile." I feel strung out, Flasher. Like the first time I snitched an apple off the fruit stand and hoped the fuzz was friendly to hungry ghetto kids. What the fuck? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> he feels strung out. That The only way that I've heard that phrase is like like he's on heroin or something. Mm-hmm. So he feels like he's on heroin. Like the first time he stole an apple from a fruit stand mm-hmm. and hoped that the police would be nice to him. Why wouldn't he just hope, if he's just hoping shit, why wouldn't he just hope they don't see him? Because um, they're going to this mysterious castle to ask for help from this ostensibly powerful magician guy. And um, and so he's nervous about that. And he's just making a, a really, really poor uh, analogy or metaphor for how he felt with the, the cops. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. You just said it like that made sense. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's he's embarking on an action that he's he's nervous about the outcome. I understand that. That's that's the extent. Well, of I, it's the not metaphor. that I don't know what's happening in the panel. I don't know why he's saying that because it doesn't make sense as a thing to say. Uh, and your explanation is along the lines of uh, people say words when they are experiencing things, and also. Not always. Sometimes people are quiet. And keep oh, that's true. Rest. Then it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, no, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a chance Skeet's 
like rounding out the character a little bit and let's give him a little bit of a backstory. Yeah, the backstory is it used to feel like he was on heroin when he stole an apple because he was hungry and he hoped that the police would catch him and be nice to him. I'm not disagreeing with you that well, it doesn't it, make sense. It sounds like you are. I'm trying to find meaning in a troubled world. <laughs> Touche. Where children have to steal apples while strung out on heroin. Oh, man. I don't think he was strung out on heroin. I just think... He was I, just I, feeling like what he imagined. It's it really weird. Okay. Man, walking up to this castle makes me feel like I'm on heroin and I'm a little kid and I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. This whole issue, there are many things in it that make me think that Steve Skeets was on drugs when he wrote it. Mm. There's the overall feel of it is one thing, but... That is amongst things that make no sense. The other really big example of dialogue that I'm just like, wait, what? And this would maybe make sense to me if I was on hallucinogens, was when Kid Flash comes up with his plan to be great at archery and also do a magical thing to an arrow that makes it turn in the key when at this point he can't use any of his magic powers. Not magic, superpowers. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be smirch. Is he tells Mal, who is worried, rightfully so, that Speedy is going to beat a non-archer at archery. Mm -hmm. Wally says, remember Mal in Alice in Wonderland? How nothing made sense, yet really made the most sense? Well, that's us. Titans in Wonderland. Just play along. Okay. Do you Hey, Corey. Mm. Do you remember how in Alice in Wonderland, nothing made sense? Yet really made the most sense. No, man. No, me either. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Yeah. And Mal's just like, yeah, I remember that in Alice in Wonderland. How nothing made sense, but really it made the most sense ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I chuckled out loud when I read that (laughs) that little gem. The, The whole issue is full of gems. I am very sad to see Steve Skeet's run come to an end. Although, you know who's coming back next issue? Is it Mr. Cardi? Bullet Bob Haney. Or, or, okay. Cardi was already back in this one. That's he right. He drew this whole issue that we just read. Yeah, I know. I transposed his name with a, with Haney. So, I want to talk a little bit about Mr. Jupiter's experiments with time travel. <laughs> I I think what you were theorizing earlier were, like, because he's so rich, people just don't tell him that... He's not good at things. A, he's not good at them, and he's not really done. Yeah. I wonder what other things he thinks he's really good at. Dude, he's the richest man in the world. I know. I think everything. Like, I wonder if he's like, uh, this is my veterinarian lab. I'm a very good veterinarian. Uh, I invented the taco. (laughs) I invented the sandwich. (laughs) Um, So, okay. Here's a fucked up thing about the sandwich. People say it's about the guy that it's named after, the Earl of Sandwich, who invented the sandwich. Right, so he could gamble. Here's the thing. What he invented was a problem. He told his manservant, go make me a piece of food that I can eat with one hand while I gamble. Mm-hmm. That's all he did. Oh, really? The, the fucking the sandwich should be called the manservant. That's my, my friend Rob brought that up to me, and I think about it almost every time I eat a sandwich. Like, that's, he didn't invent shit. He just said, go invent this. Go invent something that will fix this problem. Mm -hmm. And this other guy did it and gets no fucking credit. Story of the world, man. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Mm -hmm. But I can see Mr. Jupiter doing that. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of things that he thinks he invented. He's just going around Columbusing shit. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, 
Look at this that I'm going to invent. Yeah, but you also, yeah, you get the sense that he is unaware. Of oh, this. no. He, he genuinely, like, when he accidentally sends Mal to be lost in time, he, he's pretty broken up <laughs> he about felt it. pretty bad about it's like, that. oh. I should that was a things. really funny scene, too. Because oh. Mal was, I guess, guess, just out getting some time parts. Some boxes. For him, some stuff. boxes of something. But he... He just, there's this panel where he just really happily is walking into a room that is actively exploding and saying, hey, where do you want these boxes? <laughs> He's smiling, happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you just lie down on a bed that's on fire and you accidentally burn to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like pink and yellow and orange. Like, it is blow, shit is blowing up. Yeah, it is a ongoing explosion that everyone else is hiding behind a wall to escape. Mm-hmm. And during that, he's like, doo-dee-doo. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mr. Jupiter feels pretty bad about that, which is understandable. He should. He should. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Were there any other points before we get on to? Because I think the favorite dialogue might take a while. What is up, though? With, do you have any theories on how, other than Alice in Wonderland makes sense, that, that Kid Flash was able to do what he did? I was just about to bring that up. No, and that's my other, like, what the fuck? That part was, I mean, the rest of it, my suspension of disbelief was fine. <laughs> but when it got <laughs> to that arrow scene. Well, seriously, it's, it's like, okay, I've got a plan how I can beat the best archer in the world. I will not only be just better at archery than him, I will also make this arrow vibrate counterclockwise and open a door key after it does that. And that's the test that he has to pass. How did he know? How did he know that that was a test? How the fuck did he make that arrow do that? And Mr. Jupiter is, or sorry, Jupiterius is totally nonplussed. He's just like, it's like, yup, good call. You've passed the test. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe it's a realm where mind control works. Maybe he did use his super speed and just like ran the arrow over there and did it in his super speed. But he, he started working. His super speed wasn't working when he was near the castle. Yeah. Because they wanted to use it to get over the moat. Makes no sense. And they had to have Mal reveal his pole vaulting past and pole vault over the moat. It's just the the god God in the machine, you know. Here's the thing about pole vaulting to escape street gangs when you're you're growing up in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Was he just, does he, did he just carry a giant pole around with him all the time in case he had to do that? There aren't just vaulting poles lying around. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. And a pretty big one if you're going over an alley wall, which he said he did all the time. An alley wall is not like a building. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big, really yeah. big stick. Yeah. That either just giant pole vaulting sticks are lying around, or Mal constantly carried a 15-foot pole around with him everywhere he went. Yeah, that's... Again, uh, there are little bits and pieces of the story that don't, (laughs) like, dovetail or... Yeah. Also, okay, he's back in the past for like 10 minutes and he starts hitting on a cave girl. Uh, well, I mean, she was following him everywhere. Yeah, he started, he's just like, yeah, okay, what the hell? I think it was mutual. These people think I'm a god. (laughs) When they think he's a god, he holds his hand, he's like, I better test out whether they think I'm a god. And he, like, clasps his hand over his head and they're like, just like a, yes, I'm the greatest, hands in the air pose. And everybody's like, yep, you're the greatest. And he's like, oh, okay. 
turns out they think I'm a god. He is straight up C-3PO in that situation. That was badass. I, I enjoyed that. Oh, I did too. Yeah, he was like, well. The, the scene where the girl is, he notices that the pretty cave girl is following him around. Mm-hmm. We first see the caveman who, or the cave teen who attacks him. Mm-hmm. And he looks so bummed out. Very sulky. He is so sulky. I feel really bad for that caveman. Mm-hmm. It's like, I like this girl. I'm going to ask her out. And then this guy falls out of the sky. And then this fucking god shows up. Yeah, wants Which, to hold hands with her. Yeah, is it very brave of him to be like, "Oh, this god wants to wants to get with my girlfriend. I'm challenging him to a club fight." Mm-hmm. It's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of respect for that cave team. Yeah, yeah. Too bad he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess not for long because well, we don't know. Well, ostensibly, there's more issues of the Teen Titans DC universe. That's not the one that's full of wizards without technology. Yeah, I guess. I mean, not to get too, you know, not to guess too much. Yeah, you're right, you're right. We don't want to speculate too much, but I think, man... It seems likely, because this, this book had a long run. Not that long. We how, got many, a, how many more issues after 32? Are there about 20? Oh, really? 22? Oh, man. Yeah. It's going fast. Yeah, we've got a couple issues of Brave and the Bold mixed in. We've got a couple of World's Finest mixed in. But, yeah, it's it's been going real fast. It's been a lot of fun. I gotta um, say, I like the ones that end in the cliffhanger, like this. Yeah, no, I do, I do too. Although, I suspect, if it's true to form, that the conclusion will frustrate me. Mm. Especially, it's a weird situation where... I wonder if Skeets knew this was his last issue and was just, like, as kind of, like, a razzing of Haney or whoever was going to take over for him was just, like... Yeah, fuck it, I'll do whatever I want. Let's see him get out of this one. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a mic drop on the yeah. way out. It's like, oh, geez, now i got to write a way around this that makes sense. Or, it's Bob Haney, it's not going to make sense. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, though. There, there was, b- just before we get into the favorite panel dialogue, Titan, in the letter column here, there was a, an interesting, a name popped up. That it, we didn't get to see the whole letter from this person, but the editor, Giordano, states that we received a lot of mail saying that Whirlwind was a great story. What? Yeah. No. Okay. It wasn't. Whirlwind is the two page, pages of text from issue, I believe, 30 that... That was the awful issue that didn't make any sense. Yeah, that was the awful cobbled together issue that didn't make any sense. And the whirlwind specifically, the two-page text story, it was written at a level that I, I said, and I stand by this, reading it made me uncomfortable because it was written so poorly it read like it was slash fiction. And I was waiting for some for Kid Flash to try to fuck a bank teller or something. Like, <laughs> it, it was like, oh shit, they're, they're gonna fuck. That's why this is making me uncomfortable reading this level of prose. Mm. Apparently, people felt differently because Giordano lists three specific letters that he has gotten in support of that story, including one by a man named Bob Rosakis, who said that it was a literary masterpiece. What's interesting is, before too long, Bob Rosakis ends up writing the Teen Titans for... A pretty significant run. That's curious. Yeah. And I like the stuff that he wrote, too. Hmm. So it doesn't speak well of him that he thought that was a literary masterpiece. But writing 
prose doesn't always necessarily translate to writing a comic book, I guess, is what we can learn from that. Um, but I did just want to bring that up because I was like, oh, that's weird. That's the second time we've seen somebody who became a contributing member to, yeah. to, to DC writing in, ostensibly as a kid, too, yeah. to, to the stuff. Yeah, so. which is kind of cool. Yeah. So, what was your favorite panel? Oh, geez. Yeah. That is tough. On page 17, there is one in which our intrepid explorers are pole vaulting over... Oh, man. Over the moat of... The dialogue of the pole vaulting is extraordinary. So that's that's definitely in the running. And then and then my backup is one that we've also discussed previously, which is on page 16, which I... Sorry, 6, which I called Unsuspecting Mal. <laughs> <laughs> I had that as well. I, I had that labeled as Mal Walks Into Exploding Room. <laughs> my, one of my other favorites, and I, I think this might actually be my favorite, is... I called it test chant. And it's when <laughs> that is a good one. All of the, I don't know, mirror mirror Justice League that's in this strange alternate reality. First of all, they just look really cool and they're all chanting in unison. The test, put them to the test. The test, the test. And they just look really cool and then they start speaking in rounds like they did when they were chastising the Titans for letting that dude die mm -hmm. in the morgue. Yeah. But they're doing it in old, like, Middle Englishy speech. The Batman stand-in is saying, I, in the test lies truth. The Superman knight says, The test separates the men from the boys. The Flash says, The test because we command it. And then the Green Arrow Warthog Man says, <laughs> The test because surely they will fail. He's a total dick, but it's really badass looking. Like, just the four of them mm. chanting in unison. It's really cool looking, and I really like it. Yep, that's a good good panel. All right, let's get started with this. What's your favorite dialogue? I ran out of room. On I, I got four instances that I wanted to call out. Yeah, I got four or five. Okay. Um, what do you want to... We can go back and forth. Okay, why don't you start? All right, uh, page four. Yow! It's monster time! <laughs> That is great. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> that's Mal. Yeah, that is Mal when they first encounter a dragon in the shitty 70s that they end up in. The first one I had is, we, we already talked about the, how he was strung out like when he first stole an apple. Right. The next one that I have is on page 16, which is the pole vault dialogue, which is an exchange between Mal and Kid Flash that goes thusly. This is it, chums. If I don't, we, either of us, don't make it. Love your white soul, Brother Titan. <laughs> and Kid Flash responds, Love your black one, Mal. And if I've got any soul, you taught me how. But let's both make it. Go, go! Yeah. That's <laughs> in keeping with the, the awkward, like, Oh, you know, man. We're good friends, and... Well, there's another on, uh... The, the, the honky expression. Yeah, do you want to do that one? Uh, it, Go ahead. Okay. It's on the previous page, there's this. They, it's when they first encounter the moat filled with monsters. Wally goes, oh, God, no! Which, pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say that. They're both super freaked out. Mal says, Wally, like the old honky saying, have I gone white with fear? Because I'm really scared, man. 
And Wally responds, No, Mal. Black is still beautiful on you, buddy. But I know what you mean. I've got a whole ocean for knees. Yep. That was pretty great. Yeah, you got a, Why don't you take one? All right. On page nine, Mal thinking to himself, She's rather nice looking for a cave girl. That's pretty good. I've got on page 20. This is... I, I'm not sure what she's even trying to say. Alternate reality Lilith. They first greet her. She's so mean. They're super excited to see her because they think it's just their version of Lilith and Speedy because their costumes look the same or they look pretty much the same. Mm. Kid Flash says, Lilith doll, are we ever glad to see you? Speedy pal, we're a team again. And Lilith says, not another step, varlet, or chastisement with with these my hands is yours to the death. What? She's saying she's going to kill him with her bare hands. Yeah, I can figure that out kind of from context, but it not another step, varlet, or chastisement with these my hands is yours to the death. Mm-hmm. And then Speedy says, that same fate also for your comrade. Mm-hmm. And that, in turn, sets Mal off, and then Mal says yeah. one of my other favorite things yep. to him. Uh, you've got it in front of you. You can go ahead and read it. But the, the ending of it is my my favorite. <laughs> Knock it off, Buster, or I'll feed you a diet of knuckles. A diet of knuckles. <laughs> Pretty good. And Flash is like, whoa, whoa, buddy. <laughs> Chill out, man. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, and that's in addition to the whole thing we read about the Mal feeling strung out, the Alice in Wonderland Wally dialogue. Mm-hmm. Now, and I, I got one more after that. Okay, and then go ahead. Done. And this is a, a Kid Flash talking about how he's he's got to time travel accurately to, to rescue Mal. And the way yep, that, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, the way he puts it is, I've got to time trip accurately. Hit that past moment right on the old TikTok. Yep. That was so much fun. <laughs> All right. So, who's your favorite Titan this issue? Oh, this is actually super tough. Yeah. I... I'm going to go with Flat, Kid Flash on this. I thought you might. he went back in time to rescue his buddy. And even with his somewhat tenuous grasp on how this treadmill time thing works, he's like, I got to go save my friend. And I just, I thought that that was. He does a good job. That was noble. I, it probably won't surprise you. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Mal. Mm-hmm. Because we find out that he used to pull vault around the ghetto all the time when he was a kid. Um, he quits himself quite well too in the face. Oh, of he does a being really good job. Into some scary shit. Yeah, he convinces a group of cavemen that he's a god. Mm-hmm. He macks on a very attractive cave girl. Mm-hmm. After jilting said cave girl, he fights dragons and pull vaults over a moat and just does fucking great. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, it's a it's a malstrong issue. I I, I enjoyed it. So. Mm. What do you think Aqualad's probably up to? Uh, yeah, that. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have a lot with this. It, you know, kind of the only thing that came to mind was so. Oh, it just seems weird to to talk about the present. Present being nineteen seventy one April. Yeah, when this came out, um, on account of the whole alternate universe thing. Right. So that kind of threw me for a loop. Okay, let's do this. Hmm. What do you think alternate universe Aqualad is probably up to? I'm not prepared to answer that <laughs> because, because what I did was I tried to flip back to what was going on okay. in the 70s. And um, I think that, that Aqualad, 
A, in general, has been pretty concerned with the foreign policy of the Nixon administration that's going on at the time. You Fair know. enough. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of problems. And, you know, as we've come to know through these segments about what he's probably up to, he's, he's been, you know, not only deeply involved in music and pop culture, but also kind of a force for, for political change. And and, and, and and really a member of the global community. Hence... He, he swims around all the world's oceans. Sure. And so... Of course, 70% of the Earth is ocean. 70%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a citizen of the world, as it were, he was bummed out that, you know, nobody from the U.S. had been to China since 1949. Like, it's been a pretty chilly relationship. Yeah. So, also being a fan of table tennis from, right. you know, the, in the Titans uh, layer, the I believe that, yeah, yep. they got a, a table set up mm-hmm. and his C-strengthened arms make him good at that. Anyway, he's a big fan of the sport. Sure. Little known fact. Yeah. And um, so he's in Japan catching the, the, the finals in 1971. and uh, The he, finals of what? Uh, uh, ping pong. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So U.S. ping pong team is in Japan competing. You know, being a citizen of of the world, as it were, he's he's got contacts in high places in in China, and he's able to be like, hey, you guys like ping pong. Mm-hmm. You know, the U.S. team is just over here in Japan. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can set something up. And uh, lo and behold, that became a thing. And so, for the first time since '49. American citizens were able to set foot in China for a friendly game of uh, ping pong with our friends, the Chinese. Hmm. And, Interesting. Um, entered in what became then known as the era of ping pong diplomacy, where it was Nixon's first, you know, he was the first president since a super long time ago to, to go there. And so I believe that we have Aqualad and his love of ping pong to thank for a little bit of a, a warming up in what were formerly icy relations between the U.S. and our friends in the East. Very nice. And that's what Aqualad was probably up to. Let me tell you what alternate <laughs> universe Aqualad is probably I up to. I would be delighted to hear this. Well, he's probably got an eye patch and <laughs> a beard. Oh, no. Wow. And mm. because... A, pe- a pelican? In, in this alternate... Parrot? He has a pelican, but the pellet Here's the twist. It's not beaky. In the alternate... It is beaky. Oh, good. But here's the thing. Okay. In this universe... Mm. Pelicans are huge. He rides that pelican into battle. And in this universe, the forces of Atlantis, much more powerful. He's a uh, he's a Atlantean warlord. Um, he's one of alternate universe Aquaman's uh, chief battle advisors. Mm-hmm. And he rides Beaky into battle mm-hmm. against... Hmm, Let's say he eats shitty ocean master. Oh, no, Beaky ate shitty Ocean Master. Totally. Oh, thank God. Beaky ate him whole. Yeah, totally. I mean... Twice, him. because the first time it didn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> he was just fucking with him at first, and then he's like, no, fuck this guy, seriously. Yeah. For real. Yeah, let's see. Who's a, who's a group of people in the DC universe? Uh, he leads him into the battle against the uh, DC... Uh, against the alternate universe Green Lantern Corps. Ooh, man, it's uh, not a good example of picking one's battles. Well, here's the thing. In the alternate version, the Green Lantern's rings at this point, they don't have an impurity against yellow. It's against water. So <laughs> it's a really good fight. Woo. And uh, he's doing pretty well for himself. He is uh, married to Wonder Girl. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Alternate universe Wonder Girl? Yeah, yeah, yes, alternate universe Wonder Girl. He's not regular Wonder Girl in an alternate universe. Um, and uh, he has published seven cookbooks. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. He's doing pretty well for himself. Sounds like and that fit. is what alternate universe Aqualad is probably up to. If any of you out there are artists, I would love to see a picture of alternate universe Aqualad with his beard and eye patch riding Beaky into battle. Proffering cookbooks. <laughs> he doesn't have to have the cookbooks with him. Yeah, it's his day job. Oh, okay. Well, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this issue. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up about it before we go? Uh, yeah, just one quick thing, which is we had mentioned before the idea of uh, of adding a fashion segment. Okay, sartorially speaking. Indeed. With the Titans? Yeah. What and you got? I gotta say, uh, Jupiterius. Rock, oh, he's got a good with the, look. The wizard uh, cloak. He's got a wizard cloak. It's got stars and moons all over it, just mm-hmm. like a wizard cloak should. Mm-hmm. It is a good look. My fashion choice for this issue is going to be the warthog head of <laughs> alternate universe Green Arrow, who I believe I'm going to check because I think he's got a a different name. I think he might be called Huntsman. Oh no, it's even better than that. He's called the Thane of the Bow. The what? Thane of the Bow. What's a thane? It's a title. Like they they all have titles. So Batman is the Knight of the Bat. Superman is the Duke of the Galaxies, which is pretty badass. The Flash is the Lord of the Lightning. And Green Arrow is the Thane of the Bow, which is pretty badass. And yeah, sartorially speaking, he has it going on with his weird warthog head. The whole alternative Justice League as an They look great. Yep. I would love to read of their adventures. Mm, Indeed. And man, Duke of the Galaxies. That's quite a title. Pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This issue was like a pie not made out of steel. I liked it. As did I. Good. If you'd like to contact us, maybe send us a picture of that alternate universe Aqualad. You can do so by reaching us at ttwasteland at gmail.com or uh, ttwasteland.tumblr.com or... Check us out on our Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Man, I'm gonna pick up some more ball. Yeah.